Welcome to Power Yourself, where we discuss the most important topic in the world, you. What really motivates us? Is willpower real? Can we resist temptation in order to get a bigger reward later? In today's episode, we're going to talk about what it means to delay our gratification, what willpower means, and why it can lead to great success in your life. And with me on this guilty pleasures journey is none other than Jillian Power. How's it going today? It's going great, Carl. The listener can't see us right now, but we're in a studio, a professional studio, recording this podcast. And Jillian's got a guilty pleasure right now. She has her cat sitting on her lap. But he's so cute. <laughs> I can't see him. I love him. So what is a guilty pleasure? Obviously, we talk about pleasures. We all need food and we have basic human needs. What is a guilty pleasure? I would say a guilty pleasure is more of that immediate gratification. So let's say, for example, my goal is to lose 10 pounds. So I would say a guilty pleasure would probably be something that's going to allow me to feel good in the moment, not so great in the long term. So it's fulfilling that kind of desire immediately. So feeling good, wanting that chocolate bar, eating it, getting to taste it. But then in reality, it's going against my goals in me wanting to lose weight. So it's probably not the best course of action to eat those whole bag of cookies. So it's kind of funny. I feel like with willpower and delayed gratification and guilty pleasures, I I'm almost come at it from a mental standpoint of almost like money. And it's like you can spend money on a guilty pleasure or you can invest that money in something that might give you a greater payoff down the road. I think that's a great way to look at it. And you can also look at money that way too. Yeah, like <laughs> you're saving up to buy a car, splurging on a vacation, probably not the best bet. So let's talk a little bit here about impulse control. And I mean, I guess we can drill down on why people, why all of us take part in guilty pleasures and why we sometimes sabotage our own efforts. Impulse control is tough. It takes discipline. It takes courage to say, look, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to give in in the moment. And I'll just go through a couple examples and feel free to weigh in on these. What about road rage? You know, feels great immediately. And then you feel almost less of a person after you've done it. Yeah, it's a it's, great example. It's a pretty common one, right? And I think we've all been there where I think we fight a lot of times on the road about what's right and this is my lane and how dare you do this. And we have a lot of sense of justice. We always become these social justice warriors on the road about what's fair. I know. And I'm, I'm guilty of that too sometimes. I'm after getting a lot better, that's for sure. Because we don't know what the other person is going through. Maybe, like, I guess the more I look at it from a two-person perspective is everybody's right okay everybody is always right in their own version of their story so you kind of got to be careful about coming at it from a I'm right you're wrong perspective so I think the more we can kind of get away from that I think the less road rage we'll probably have I find I'm just I'll divert here for just a second with the road rage as we travel more and more in today's society, it's fascinating when we go to other countries, to other continents even, and the traffic can be super congested in some areas, and yet everyone seems to be super courteous. And in other places, the traffic can be really light, and people are flipping each other off and honking horns and getting into these horrible problems. I just find it fascinating how, I don't want to say it's a cultural thing, but it's funny how it's different from one culture to the next, about what's acceptable and what's not. And you know what? It's funny about... It's even in different areas of town or different times of day. People mm -hmm. are really intense and some people are just so relaxed. Totally. <laughs> and what about something like you mentioned about losing weight or binge eating? Our diet, that's a tough one, you know, because we all have to eat food. I think if you have to lose weight, it can be really difficult because you can't just cut it out. It's not like somebody who is an alcoholic and says, I'll never drink again. Or someone who has an addiction to drugs and they say, well, I'm never going to do these drugs again. If you're addicted to food... You still have to eat. I know. It's hard. You know what? And I think whatever it is that you're giving into or that you're kind of struggling with the willpower to prevent that gratification piece, I just, I want to take a second to like, let's acknowledge how hard it is, how hard it is to have those long-term goals and to stick with it and make sure your decisions every day are lining up with those goals that is hard work. So good for everybody who's after doing it at all in their life. It takes a lot of 
willpower and dedication to really stick with your goals. I think it's fascinating when someone has a long-term goal and they might put in days of effort, weeks of effort with no visible results. Like I, I used the example when I was a kid, I really wanted to increase my physique. I wanted to be like a bodybuilder, right? I'm watching Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and I was like a teenage kid, right? I'm a little string bean. And so I bought a weight set and I was doing these weights and I mean, nothing's happening. I mean, weeks are going by with no change. And I learned later on, bodybuilding is a science and it takes years to sculpt a body into how you want it to be. And when you're a kid, I mean, if you might as well say it's going to take you decades or it's going to take you centuries. I mean, years when you're a 15 year old kid is that's not registering. Right. So it's funny how we might have these goals that are years in the making. And yet we live in our lives day to day or second to second, even with our gratification that comes at us so fast, constant information coming in on the Internet. Everything now, travel is so global, so fast. We get our expectations are that everything is available all the time. And it's almost like I feel the more I kind of analyzed myself, it's almost like as soon as we get uncomfortable, we want that distraction of feeling good. We're afraid to deal with it. So it's like, oh, let me just eat and I'll feel better. Let me just have that glass of wine and my day has gotten better. Well, it's like, no, it hasn't. It's your thought process has changed because you've just allowed it to. So I'm going to really like, this is what blew my mind. So maybe it'll blow somebody else's mind too. But realizing you don't need that thing. You don't need that piece of food, that cake, that glass of wine, that fix you have the power to do that with or without that object. So imagine that. Imagine changing the way you're thinking or changing the story without having that guilty pleasure. I think that was the thing that was like, what? I thought it was the glass of wine that made me feel good at the end of a hard day. It's like, no, Jill, that was your excuse. (laughs) Right, right. So I thought that was really interesting to know that we have the power to kind of change that story without anything physical. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating to think that really the majority or even all of our experiences really happen in our mind. Everything we've ever done, everywhere we've ever been, everyone we've ever talked to, there's been one and only one common denominator. And that's that your mind has been there during that whole experience. And that's exactly it. You have a bad day. You make it the bad day. By what you're saying over and over again in your head. You want to make it a good day? You don't need that glass of wine, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other one that I bring up as well is anger management about how people can sometimes snap in the moment, say things they regret. And I think we're all guilty of this. So I'm not going to sit here all high and mighty and talk about the average person. We've all done this where we've all said something we regret or acted in the moment. And later on we go, oh my goodness, you know, it felt wonderful cathartic in those two seconds it took us to do that and then the repercussions can last for a long time afterwards and that's exactly it with all those guilty pleasures or all those kind of immediate fixes they might feel good for 30 seconds but in the long term you have to ask yourself is reacting that way is eating that piece of cake or yelling at that person really going to help me in the long term or do I maybe have to do some internal work here And that leads us into the other one, which is social uh, anxiety or social awkwardness where somebody will say something inappropriate. So basically not being able to keep their mouth shut. So I remember once, I mean, because you have a cat on your lap, maybe this is why it's reminding me. But I remember once talking with a group of friends and the subject of cats came up and I said, oh, yeah, I really like cats. And this person who I didn't really know that well blurted out, oh, have you seen that thing online about the abused cat? And I thought, why would you, why would you bring that up? We were all talking about cats and how much we enjoy their company and how wonderful they are. And this one person thought, well, this is totally normal. I'm going to go to this spot, right? And it was just such an odd left turn. And everyone felt it and everyone kind of went, Ooh, okay, on that note, we'll kind of wrap things up. So I just, I just find it funny how it's, I think we've all done it too, right? So I don't mean to you know, hold my judgment over this one person. But I just think it was just a weird example of how, 
like, why would you say that out loud, you know? So anyway, we've all been there, but um, not being able to keep your mouth shut or saying inappropriate things. That's one that comes up from time to time. Maybe saying not socially <laughs> accepted <laughs> things, or maybe it's just not the right time in the moment. Totally get it. Yeah. And the other one is spending or using your credit card, basically going into debt. Money management can be a really tough one. And it's funny, Jill, you know, with money management and with spending, we go to school and we learn all these facts and figures and mathematics and social studies. We never really learn in grade school. We never really learn economics and and personal economics, like how to really live within our means. You know what? And it it totally makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> it does because I think it's such an essential skill. And some of us had to go out and fail a little bit to be able to really learn it. And some of us are still learning. But seriously, to have that... Ba- like that essential skill, that basic skill that we all commonly need. We need to know how to budget. We need to know how to prioritize. We need to know how to save. And you're totally right. It's a shame that that's not really talked about in schools at such yeah. a young age to start getting those habits. And I think it's doubly tough as well because we live in a day and age where you can easily show off objects that you own, the latest smartphone, a car, a house, Golf clubs, skis, the list goes on and on. And yet we can we don't walk around showing everyone our bank balance and our bank account. Or we don't show everyone about our discipline of saving for maybe an RRSP or a pension plan. So it's funny how we have this, you know, these these hidden millionaires that walk amongst us that we don't, you know, they could look like the average neighbor next door and yet they might be worth millions of dollars and yet we would never know. Or you can look at it too. In that guilty pleasure, that immediate gratification of buying that new car or buying that new shiny object, for some people, that's seen as giving them status, you know, making them appear more pleasing or more successful. So I think we have to ask ourselves why we categorize them as successful if they have something shiny. Like, you would know right now, I'm, we're planning a wedding. So that is something that my mind is blown <laughs> with. And it's a perfect example. How much people actually spend on weddings. One day of their life. We have to do Like once this hurdle is over, <laughs> we have to do an episode. But it really, my mouth drops at what people actually spend. And I'm like, but that's your house. Or that's a really nice trip. So I guess like... It's scary how much society rewards those guilty pleasures or rewards those immediate gratification and doesn't really talk about, like you said, the kind of maybe the saving aspect, maybe the showing the willpower and not eating that thing in front of me or portion control. So it doesn't really publicize or talk about how good and how strong character a person is to withstand from that immediate gratification versus the person who caves into it. A wedding especially is fascinating. You might have 150 or 200 people or maybe much more sitting in the audience. And the thought does cross our minds that they're silently judging everything, the color of the curtains and the meal and the MC and the band. And, oh, was this a great event or was this a horrible event? And it, I'm sure some people really are silently judging. You know, you know what? And I really want <laughs> to, I feel like, especially going down this road, I totally want to talk to somebody who's had this really big wedding and really thought it was super, super important to spend all this money. I really like... I don't, I'm not ignorant enough to think that my way is the only way, but I really want to try to understand it from a different perspective because I cannot comprehend people spending as much money as they do on one day. So we've covered a few. Sorry, key... that was a bit off. No, track. no, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's I think it's fascinating, especially since you're going through this right now, that you can kind of see it and have the awareness to look at it from both sides. It's funny because we always hear about the person in Las Vegas who gets in the car and just drives to the Elvis drive-in chapel and they spend like $50 and get married. And then we hear about the other person that has 800 people at their wedding and it was, you know, an eight-hour affair and it's tens of thousands of dollars. And they're both these extremes. And it's and yet uh, neither one has any correlation to whether or not the marriage will be successful. It's totally independent. They're two totally separate things, whether you have a successful marriage or a, a quote-unquote successful wedding. 
fascinating. It is so fascinating. <laughs> and it's not something we talk about. We don't talk about the after, the actual building of the relationship or setting yourself up as a couple. Wow, that's, we'll, we'll kind of put the <laughs> brakes out, but we'll definitely go down that someday. So why, So we've covered a few points on why delayed gratification is difficult, why willpower is difficult. You know, we look at it today's day and age with advertising and marketing. You deserve it now. And it feels good. It actually does in the moment feel good to buy that trinket or eat that piece of cake. Another one that we haven't really touched on is it's a very real possibility, Jill, that there may not be a tomorrow. There, we, we may die early. We all know somebody in our lives who's passed away at a very early age. And it's heartbreaking when you think this, you know, good old Joe worked for 30 years and he had a government pension and he died two years before he was supposed to retire or six months after he retired. And you think, ah, oh, this is horrible. Not only is he gone, but he didn't have that beautiful retirement that we all picture in our minds where you're on the cruise ship and you're still healthy enough to enjoy it and you have all the money you need. And unfortunately, that's not the reality for many people. And I think that's what scares us sometimes. And that's what almost gives us the permission to really buy into those, like that immediate gratification or the guilty pleasures or, you know, doing stuff in the moment. So I think, you know, and, and do I have it all figured out? Absolutely not. But I think it's a balance of being happy presently with yourself and working towards a goal at the same time. It's funny. I collect, uh, I have a hobby and, and I know we're going to talk about hobbies in another episode here. And we, uh, you know, we all have our different pastimes that we enjoy. Well, mine, I happen to enjoy collecting comic books and researching them and talking with my friends about them. And, and I wanted to get a commission done, which is when an artist draws a customized picture just for you. So I really wanted to get this piece of artwork done. And I was humming and hawing about it because it was a little bit expensive. And my wife said to me, ask yourself one very important question. What's the health of the artist? Is he going to be around? And I thought, wow. I mean, if, yeah, if he's in his 60s or his 70s or his 80s, this is a limited opportunity. And sure enough, that artist actually has slowed down the commission request quite a bit because his health is not as good as it once was. And I thought, wow, someday he will no longer be doing commissions. This is a limited opportunity. So it's funny when we talk about this, um, you know, there may not be a tomorrow. It's not just for us, but the opportunity might not be there as well. You might get a once in a lifetime trip to go somewhere. A friend of mine was presented with a trip of a lifetime to India. Their friends were getting married. Well, that's a once in a lifetime trip and it's happening now. And there may not be a tomorrow to go. So it's like, oh, do you go now and spend the big money? Do See, you save? It's, it's a tough one. It's hard. But I, I guess how I would try to break that down and gain control of it is trying not to make the decision in that split second. So giving myself a span of time. So maybe, maybe if I do want to have that takeout even, or maybe I do want to take that trip to India, scheduling it. So saying, you know what, I'm not going to react right now and go out and get the food or book the ticket. I'm going to give myself a period of time and I'm going to say Tuesday, this time, that's when I will do it. And it's funny when we talk about the budgeting, I have a friend of mine who takes $25 every paycheck. So it's like twice a month and he puts it into a fun fund and it just sits in a little savings account. And he says, I spend that money. Once a year, I go and do something fun that I would never save up for specifically to do that activity. But since I have the money, I can, quote unquote, blow it on something fun. He can buy a toy. He can go on an experience. And I think that's a really cool way to look at it, that you're not really out of pocket. The money's mentally gone. And he's saving and he's investing and he's you know being a responsible citizen. But this is his fun money. And he's budgeted it off to the side for just that occasion. I think that's a perfect thing to do. Kind of like cheat days, I guess, but for money. No, well, that's it, yeah. you know, and <laughs> we talk about <laughs> cheat days because we've decided to try to eat healthier and it's almost made me understand willpower to a whole new level as I've changed the way I was eating because it's like, wow, you get so much confidence in yourself from not reacting in the moment or not being indulgent or overindulgent. And I found the way to set me up because obviously when you practice it enough, like I said, you get the confidence and then you start to feel good and it powers itself like it's 
It's pretty spectacular. But I found the best thing to set me up to succeed was setting that schedule. That setting the schedule was a huge thing. Whether it's going to the gym, whether it's having the cheat day, knowing that that's what I'm doing, I don't have to think about it. It's the decision is made for me. The time is already allotted in my head and it's not a decision. So it's not, do I feel good? Do I not feel good? Do I do it? Do I don't? It's no, it's a schedule part of my day and that's what I'm doing. So I love that, that uh, point that you're making because that really leads us into the next piece, which is what are the benefits of delayed gratification? What are the benefits of willpower? And what I hear you saying is scheduling something, making a commitment to yourself is really a positive way to look at it rather than saying you're denying yourself something. You're saying, no, no, I've made a commitment in another path and I'm going to stay on that path. And following that path and sticking with it, we all know how hard that is. So when we do it, it's almost like we get credit, you know, with ourselves to be like, yeah, I can do something. I can hold out. I can pursue a goal and come out the other end. So absolutely. I think it's First of all, totally growing as a person, it can help us do that. And I really believe it gives us a lot of confidence when we can almost control our reactions as opposed to, like you said, road rage or like flipping out in the moment or eating that piece of cake in the moment. Really having that willpower to be like, no, I'm not going to react right now. I'm going to just sit in this space, think about it. And then move on with the day. And I know we've talked about this in the past, but I want to bring it up again. We've, we've talked about it on other episodes. The idea of failing or the idea that something is hard, the idea of challenging yourself. And it's funny because what I hear you saying is, you know, we live in a day and age where so much of our lives is so easy. We have to do zero physical labor. We have people to bring our groceries out to our car for us. We drive in a vehicle to work every day. We sit on our sofa. We really don't have to, we don't have to do anything. We have automatic dishwashers. People deliver our, deliver food to our house. There's really nothing we have to do. It's all things that we want to do. And so when we are truly presented with something that's difficult, sometimes our reactions are so over the top, like, well, this is really hard to do. So like as if that's a negative and you're saying, no, no, we actually want to pursue those hard things. We actually welcome the opportunity to fail, to learn, to grow, to challenge ourselves. These are things we should be actively seeking in our lives. We have to decide what we want out of life. So if we want something better, then you have to look at your actions. Are your actions in line with your goal? Okay, so that's the first thing before you look at anything else. And then if you realize that those kind of immediate gratification or guilty pleasures or whatever you want to call it, if they're not in line with your goal, then you need to reevaluate. Stop letting, you know, the reactionary piece of our brains win. Hold out, build that confidence and gain back control of your life. I fully believe we all have the life that we want. We're, and if we don't want this life, we have to put the effort in to change it. And that takes willpower and that takes courage and it takes practice. So one of the benefits of willpower is increasing our ability to plan and to see the future. And I love what you say there about having a goal and then asking ourselves, is what we're actually doing in our lives working towards that goal? Yeah, or a lot of the times preventing the goal. Like I go back because it's the easiest to kind of get that visual on when people want to lose 10 pounds, but yet they're eating the candy bar when they feel bad. Like that, like you can look outside of that and realize, oh, that's not in line or they want to lose 10 pounds, but they're eating out once a day. I'm like, well, are you really putting the effort in to lose that 10 pounds? Right. And is there a reason another reason why you're maybe doing that other activity and, and without addressing that other reason, you could be sabotaging your long-term goal. You just nailed it. So a lot of the time we start to feel uncomfortable. We have a bad day. And what, what have we been trained to do? Feel good. And what makes us feel good? Something immediate. Whereas it honestly needs to be a change within us 
that now I'm starting to associate, oh, I didn't overindulge. And wow, that makes me feel good, not just for 30 seconds, but actually for the whole day. Because I showed myself that I can control or I can practice willpower or I can practice effort. And that makes me feel good internally. And I promise you, it makes you feel good for a lot longer. And that leads us into the next point perfectly, which is one of the benefits of willpower is increasing our tolerance for discomfort and being in an unpleasant situation. So an example might be of of a way that we can increase our tolerance for discomfort would be on purpose, seeking out something that's new and uncomfortable and kind of forcing yourself in a safe way to sit through it. So for example, um, maybe you put away your phone for half a day. And you're forced now to sit in silence. You're forced now to, to quote unquote, enjoy going on a walk without your phone. You're forced now to not be distracted. That's the big thing, Carl. That's, it's a huge piece. It's so easy to tune out and to become distracted. And then we don't have to really think about our goals or really think about our actions in the moment. But it's when you do that, when you become unplugged or when you put that distraction away, it's like, wait a second, I actually have to deal with me. And I think it's important, too, to talk about expectations. Kind of a funny story. Um, in, in Canada, where we're recording this podcast, we're not used to having long lines. We have tons of space everywhere. And if we ever go out for dinner and there's even two people in line, oh, my goodness, who's got the time for this? This is outrageous. And so I was at, I was in in London years ago and I went to Wembley stadium and there's lineups everywhere. And it's so funny because British people on the whole are very polite and we're all waiting to use the bathroom at this Wembley stadium. And there's just a huge long lineup and nobody seemed upset about it. And it was just so odd. And I, and I remember thinking at the time, Oh, the expectation here is you will wait, you will be polite everyone is waiting and being polite and I kind of was like socially conforming into it it was like oh well everyone else is doing this so it's kind of neat like I like what you said earlier I think we were it was in another podcast but we were talking about how you can have a group of people even if they're online supporting you and going through the same experience and sometimes that gives us strength to increase our tolerance for discomfort to say okay I'm not alone on this I'm not the only person who's struggling to eat a piece of cake or struggling with maybe it's drinking or anger management problems, whatever it may be, I'm not alone on this. I can go talk to someone else about it. And sometimes it's that shared uh, feeling where we can now help to comply. Like we can comply as a group and say, okay, we're all in this together. This is not acceptable. We're all going to try to do better. And that's it. The more we start to voice these things. And I think, Carl, it's a common thing that comes up throughout all of our podcasts so far. A lot of the times we're saying say stuff out loud, realize you're not alone. You're not the only one fighting this battle. It might not be the exact same battle, but I promise you other people are uncomfortable. Other people are pushing past too. And they've had to practice not giving in to the moment. So, you know, like there is something to be said about that collective experience that we're all going through you just need to voice it you don't need to be so tough all the time I do think that the one one of the big wins you get out of practicing this is an increase in your self-control and the increase in the self-control helps you achieve your long-term goals faster absolutely and it leads into your confidence of yourself knowing that you have the ability to practice (sighs) self-control that makes you unbeatable sometimes realizing that you're not going to get distracted and you know off track or better yet getting distracted but then putting yourself back on track that sometimes takes more courage and more self-control because isn't it easy when you go off a diet and you're like oh that's it I totally didn't do it right I've failed it's like no you don't need to fail you can still get back on that track it's a choice. So practicing that self-control, once again, you're tapping into your potential and you're making your life the way you want it. And it's funny, you know, when I think about the self-control one, I tend to go to not so much the eating. I tend to go to the anger management side of things. I've got a buddy of mine who's traveled all over the world 
He's seen many different countries, many different cultures. And he's just so calm all the time. He never gets upset. And it's not that he's gritting his teeth and pretending he's not upset. He truly is a super chilled guy. And I've talked to him about it. And he's like, and and he said, like, I'm not trying to sound all hoity-toity. He said, but when you see the world, you don't get uh, concerned that there's an extra person in the lineup at the supermarket. It's just not a concern. Whereas... And I just love that attitude of going, oh, his mind is mature enough, open enough, experienced enough that he has better things to think about than that there's 12 items in the 11 item checkout line. And I would say we all have that capacity, but it's what are we putting the fuel behind? So what are we allowing our minds to really dwell on? Do we really want to focus on the ingest of the person with 12 items in the 11 item line or do you want to practice some positive self-talk or positive affirmations or gratitude or something like that once again it's it sounds so basic but I I know how hard it is on a daily basis to practice it but our lives it truly is what we want them to be in that current moment it's the story we're telling ourselves we have the power to change our lives. Yeah, it's fascinating how much perception plays a role into it. I have another friend of mine who loves to travel. He loves being on an airplane, which is so counterintuitive to most of our thinking. And I asked him, why do you like flying so much? And he says, it's amazing. He says, I get my own seat, no cell phone, no screaming kids, nobody bothering me. He said, obviously, there's there's always a screaming kid on the airplane, but they're not his screaming kids, so he's not too worried about it. But he says it's like a day off. He sits on the airplane. He reads a book or he does some writing. He brings his laptop. And he's like, it's it's like somebody took me and abducted me for eight hours and put me in a little room and said, this is all the time is all for you now. You get to only focus on yourself for eight hours. And he says it helps that the, the airline brings them the peanuts and brings them the drinks. And it's like, I feel like a little mini king for like eight hours. It's amazing. And I thought, wow, what a great way to look at it as opposed to the inconvenience of it and, you know, the fear of it. And it's fascinating how he, he really believes this is true. So this is his reality. Which makes him have a more positive experience than somebody who is saying, oh, my God, we haven't taken off yet. We're five minutes delayed. I'm not going to make my connection. This is going to be a horrible experience. And then you can look at those two people and you can very easily guess how their outcomes of that trip will be. Yeah, it's almost like they create what they fear. You know, if someone goes into it with a negative attitude, they're almost guaranteed to find something that will set them off. And I would say it's like we can do that with anything. So going on the diet, oh, that's going to be the most horrible experience of my life. And that's why I kind of don't like the frame diet. I like to say change, like to try to be more healthy or something like that. But it is. It's those certain words that we can have that negative feeling towards. And we can almost set ourselves up to fail before we even start. So once again, looking at the dialogue, what you're telling yourself, is this going to be a hard process? Well, it can be if you're telling yourself that. Or it could be a experience of growth and self-control and gaining confidence in your ability to withhold so like once again it's it's in the power of thoughts man so let's ask ourselves a pretty important question here we've talked about how important it is to come up with self-control to work on self-control how can we actually get better at delaying our gratification, at increasing our willpower. So I'm going to throw out a couple points here, and Jillian, feel free to expand on these. First thing we can do is we can look at the big picture. What does that mean? Look at your goal. Look at what you're trying to achieve and seeing if that, you know, immediate gratification or guilty pleasure is in line with your goal. That's how I would take it to be. So you could physically like write them out, for example, get a journal and write them down and maybe you could come back to them and maybe re-motivate yourself. It never hurts to do that because, you know, it's funny. I think sometimes we write stuff down when we're in a negative state and I think we need to get better at writing stuff down when we're in a positive state and then maybe reading that when we're in the negative state. So maybe if you're in the car and you suffer from road rage, one thing you could do is have a sticky note 
with the word calm or something, or maybe, you know, courtesy or shared responsibility or safety. You know, maybe you write down a key word and you put it down in the corner of the, you know, near the steering wheel somewhere. And if you're ready to explode, you look down at that and you, and you tell yourself, no, it's more important to be safe than to give in to my feelings in the moment. Absolutely. Or have something positive in your car to help you succeed in those moments. A picture of your cat <laughs> or a phrase or a quote that you really find insightful. Set yourself up to succeed. We're all going to get derailed. The person who doesn't, they're not telling you the whole story. I don't mean... No, no you're I absolutely... I, I think that's a good point. We only really publicly brag about our successes. Nobody ever comes to the cocktail party and says, oh my goodness... I just gained 10 pounds and lost a bunch of money in the stock market. Let me tell you all about it. But everybody has. Not so much those particular right. <laughs> things, but we've all failed at things. And that's how we get better. And that's how we learn about ourselves. And that's how we can actually set ourselves up to succeed the next time. So another tip here for today about increasing our willpower and avoiding those guilty pleasures is to practice being uncomfortable. Practice being uncomfortable and living in it. So, you know, it's about feeling anxious or feeling uncomfortable and maybe not eating, you know, like if that's your kind of choice or maybe having a hard day at work and not coming home to that substance like that beer or a glass of wine. Now, I'm not saying you, you cannot participate in this at all, but I'm saying stop using that reactionary state. Maybe set goals for yourself. Maybe say, you know what? On Thursdays, I'm going to come home and have that glass of wine. You know, I'm setting myself up. I'm not going to, if I have a bad day, come and have a glass of wine as a reaction state. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So you could explore the feelings you get from that withdrawn piece of buffering that you would no longer be using. So I come home from work. I'm not feeling that great. And instead of having a beer, I could say, you know what? I'm going to sit here for three hours and I'm really going to explore why I'm upset. I love it how you just said buffering, Carl. And it's, it's what everything is. Like technically it's a distraction is another word for it. We're sometimes too afraid or I don't know if we don't understand that we're actually being distracted. But it's almost like we're encouraged not to deal with ourselves sometimes. And I think that's where the power and that's where the self-awareness is going to come. Is when you are uncomfortable, but you choose to just stay in that moment and really kind of analyze why you are uncomfortable. That's where the power will be. Not with being reaching out for the chocolate bar or reaching out for the guilty pleasure and kind of pushing it down and distracting yourself. It's actually dealing with that state of emotion. Sure, because at the end of the day, a state of emotion is a feeling. And really, a feeling is a feeling. It, it, it can't kill you. So it's not a fatal, life-threatening danger to feel sad, for example. And a feeling is something that can be changed. You can change that feeling. It's about changing the dialogue in your head. You have... 100% control. We could all have the exact same day from start to finish. Exact same day. And I mean exact. And I bet you if five of us had the exact same day, we would all experience different feelings about that exact same day. Oh, you're absolutely right. I remember you and I attended a conference once together. And you and I are pretty similar. But there was a lot of networking. We listened to some public speakers. There was a little bit of food there. There were some tables set up. And I remember at the end of the day, you and I were on the same page. It was tiring but fun we were we were tired but we had a good time but there were other people there who were so excited and energized they came bursting out of the conference and it looked they looked like they were ready to run a marathon you and i were ready for a nap and so i guess and they, we all had the exact same experience we all saw the exact same speakers we all networked to the same level so you're absolutely right some people will get energized by the very things that other people might find exhausting exactly so it's i would Ask everybody to, if they are having a bad experience or if they are uncomfortable or if they are having a bad day, try not to react. Try to sit with it for a second and maybe dissect it. Try to do something that's really aligning with your goals. So as opposed for me, I'm, 
you know, planning on doing a race at the end of the summer. So maybe that glass of wine isn't going to line up with my goals, but maybe another way of feeling good would be to go for a walk. And that would align more along with my goals. It's funny how we spend so much of our time trying to avoid certain negative emotions. And I just use an extreme example, but if we go through, say, a death in the family, and when you are grieving, it, it can sometimes feel like like a, like a guilty pleasure, although it's not. It's healthy to grieve, but it can feel like it's negative. Oh, my goodness, I'm sad, and I shouldn't feel this way. And it's like, no, the human being needs time to process what's happened. And feeling sad is actually a, a good thing. It's healthy to process the loss of a loved one. And I would encourage you to sit with it. So that's exactly, why exactly. I, I guess that's why I chose like the walk or something. And I didn't say like watch a movie or mm. pick up your phone because you really want to sit with the emotion and understand why you're feeling it. Perfect example. And we all go through it is the death of a loved one. So why do why should we be distracted? Why is it so bad to feel that sorrow? It just means that we're sad that that person is no longer in our life. And in reality, that can be a beautiful thing because you did appreciate them. Another point about getting over buffering, using willpower, increasing our self-control is a physical take on it. And we've often talked about our four pillars of, of health here in our podcast being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And this one touches on the physical pillar, which is getting exercise and getting sleep and how this can help us. That's my recipe for success right there. For me, it's, you know, I always need sleep to kind of, I feel like I make better decisions when I'm well rested and stuff like that. So I know for me, that would be a huge one. I think too, I think having an exercise regimen and completing it, it doesn't have to be huge, but maybe you're at home and you're watching TV and you say, look, I'm going to do a certain amount of sit-ups, a certain amount of push-ups. I'm going to spend 20 minutes three times a week. There's a certain pride, I think, that comes with that where you say, you know what? I did it. I accomplished that. I remember, man, when we did that hike last summer, you know, we did a hike up in the Rockies and it was phenomenal. And it's funny how the power of perception is, it, it's so powerful. We can tell each other, ah, it was just one hike. It was just one day. Or we can say, no, we got to the summit of a real mountain. That's a big deal. And man, I, I remember it was a big deal. The older I get, the higher that mountain gets because I, I was really pooping out there at one point. And I'm really proud of the fact that we, hi we hiked that mountain as a group. And, it, and I'm confident of it. It gives me confidence during the day to go, hey, I, I accomplished something significant. Well, look at when we were doing, what was it, a challenge at work too. We were doing stairs or something. Mm -hmm. Like it's something so simple to commit to, but you're right. Like that and sorry, I should rephrase that. It's not so simple to commit to. It's really <laughs> hard some days. But about the exercise and about like how that is a long-term reward. Look at you. It's been what? Nine months since we hiked that. And you're still feeling the positive effects of it. That's good, man. You could do that with anything. It's the same with the workout. Like I found my success to be when I schedule all the times. So I have, if you looked at my calendar, I have time scheduled to work out. And that way it's not a, if I'm in the mood, if I'm not in the mood, I have my goal at the end of the year. So I am setting myself up to succeed. And it's up to me to tap into my willpower and show up for those scheduled times. I think it's very freeing mentally when we make commitments to ourselves in the future and you honor those commitments. And it's just not an option to not do it. And so... You know, it's funny because I think some people could look at it and say, oh, it's like shackles in your life and you're chained to these events. Or the best thing is it's, you're restricting yourself. Right. And I think it's very liberating to say, no, no, I can spend all my time now daydreaming about my hobbies and, and wondering about other areas of my life because I don't need to spend time wondering and making a decision. Am I going to work out? Am I not? No, no, I'm going to work out. It's a done deal. This hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and everybody's different. Like, so we're not going to sit here and preach that this is a way that everybody will, you know, be able to really tap into their willpower. But like, as you can attest, like for me, this is my recipe for success. It's not having, it's almost not allowing that reactionary state to be part of the equation. It's like, no, 
I know I can change my feelings if I want to in the moment. So I am going to schedule myself and help hold myself accountable is a big thing too. Right. Honoring a commitment to yourself. Another tip that we've got is about taking the time to really know yourself, know your communication style, know what makes you happy, know what makes you angry, know what buttons get pushed that really set you off. So there's some ways you could do this. You could take some online quizzes. You could ask some friends, for example, and how they see you. You could ask for some honest feedback. And that's always tough because you may you might hear some things you don't really want to hear. Uh, and you can also ask your friends how they do it. You can witness modeling behavior in other people and say, hey, I'd like to be a part of that. So I like that piece. I like the, if you see something that you like in somebody else, ask them, talk about it. You know, like it's a beautiful thing to be working on something yourself and trying so hard and somebody come up and be like, man, I noticed you're really positive. How do you do that? Wow. That's such, first of all, a powerful experience for the person receiving that compliment but it can also be a growing experience for the person asking the question so why not share that dialogue why not have start having those rich conversations yeah one of the things i really admire about you is your willingness to it's you're almost actively seeking out things to try that you know and, and this is by your own admission you know you're not going to be good at them and you're okay with it and it's like, I'm going to try this, even though I know I'm not going to be good at it. And I just think that's so cool because it's so counterintuitive to how we normally live our lives that you would purposely work, you would purposely seek out something you're not good at in order to try it, see how bad you are at the start of it, and then get good at it over time. I just think that's really a neat idea. And it sounds great on paper, but boy, it's tough to do in real life because it's not fun to not be good at something. It's not, but I think it makes us checked in to that empathy for other people who are trying. I think in reality, there's everybody has stuff they're not good at. And I think when it's all over and you're looking back on everything, do you really want to say you didn't try something because you wouldn't be good? What if everybody said that? No one would be good at anything. So I think you have to start somewhere. So I, yeah, I totally think it's exciting to start something and get better and see that progress. I think it's another way to help build your self-confidence. Another tip we have for overcoming the anxiety with willpower and trying to buffer is making fewer decisions. Make fewer decisions. Little decisions can add up and they can sap us of our willpower. So deciding in advance on clothes you're wearing tomorrow, deciding in advance on the spending and the budget and the time allocation in your life can really be beneficial in the long run. Yeah, that's why I go back to scheduling. Man, since I started scheduling stuff, I just found you. And it's so funny because if you had asked me a couple of years ago, I would have laughed. And I heard it so much that if you schedule, you kind of, you get back that energy because you're not having the energy to have to decide if you're going to do that in the moment. And I was like, oh, whatever. And then when I started scheduling, I'm like, wow, I totally get it. You do have a lot of extra energy because it's almost like you're not fighting with yourself in the moment. So knowing and having those goals set up, I think a huge path to success. Yeah, it's not like we get up every morning and we consciously choose to eat breakfast or we consciously choose to go to work or we consciously choose to get in a car and drive somewhere. Like those are pretty much givens. You know, we get up and we have breakfast and we get in the car and we drive to work. It is a choice, though. Oh, it is. I get it. I, I, I'm just thinking, like, it's nice if we could have that level of engagement where we go, no, no, we're going to the gym. It's just, it's a done deal. And it's just a commitment you make to yourself. And I guess that's the last point here that we're making is understand that you're in control of your life and you make a commitment to you, not to someone else, but to yourself. But that's exactly it. So exactly what you were saying. And I think hearing that makes me understand what you were saying a little bit more because you were talking about you have that commitment with work you mean and you're you're you don't have to think about it because yeah. the commitment's there i okay. don't get up totally every get morning it. and think is today the day i'm going to retire <laughs> you know i uh, wish yeah <laughs> so you so you get up and you go to work because you're kind of programmed to do that it's not like every time the light goes green you go okay i'm i'm going to make a choice now i'm going to step on the gas it's like, well, no, it's, it's almost automatic. But so that's a perfect way to look at it then, because it is. You have that commitment to yourself that you will show up for your job and you will go, you will go to work. So why not have that with the other goals in your life? 
why not have those scheduled so that you don't have that thought process and you don't have to consider and make that decision. It's automatic. So if you have a long-term goal, what you're recommending is that we be honest about why we want the goal. To be honest about whether or not it's attainable. Basically break down how we're going to do it into steps. And I, I'm just thinking maybe we even you know make a checklist and then you can start checking off the boxes as you get it done long term. Yeah, I think the more pieces you have on that checklist, so like between step A and step B, like if you have 12 things in between there, it's going to make you feel better and more positive because you're achieving more things. So I think that's a, an awesome idea to have those right. little steps and details. So if you were going to say... I don't know, let's pick something easy, not easy, but simple rather, not easy. But let's say you wanted to lose 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. Then you'd recommend maybe you make a checklist about throwing out unhealthy foods, dedicating exercise in advance, you know, dedicating a day or a time, um, you know, maybe making a commitment to one half hour a week or one half hour a day of, of researching new and alternative healthy foods, like, like attainable things that you could say, okay, I'm in complete control over whether or not this gets done or not. Yeah, even so simple as making the conscious decision to not eat out, making the conscious decision to read the back of products before you eat, making the conscious decision of meal prepping, or maybe eliminating certain foods like sugar that maybe are not so, you know, lined up with your goals and what you're trying to achieve. So talking about willpower today, I guess I want everybody to walk away with, or hopefully walk away with, the feeling that we all have it. You know, it's all in us to achieve our goals if we want to. It's about practicing really looking at our actions and practicing not giving in to those guilty pleasures or that immediate gratification and really trying to make that conscious effort to practice willpower and make sure our actions in the moment are actually lining up with our goals that we want to achieve. What a perfect way to end it. We hope you enjoyed this episode on willpower. And we encourage you to check out our other episodes on uh, Power Yourself. We have a social media page. It's on Facebook. And we encourage you to like us, follow us, ask a question, maybe even leave a comment. We promise we look at them. And it sometimes even gives us ideas for future podcast episodes. So we want to encourage you to get involved. So make a commitment to yourself. Stick with it. We believe in you. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm Carl. I'm Jillian. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next time.